0: The wallflower, the Zen child, the Spitfire, mm. the explorer.
1: Well, so what if all of them describe you? I feel like those are all me.
0: Really? <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> Hey, Rachel Hey Ben how are you doing
1: I'm doing pretty well considering
0: Yeah con- considering what
1: Considering there's
0: <laughs> What was that noise that you just made
1: <laughs> It's my throat It's your throat Yes Considering I still have a broken foot and I'm going to I'm trying to take the boot off tomorrow though so
0: So the wait the boot might come off tomorrow Yeah and we, were, we will no longer be in the boot with Ben.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully not.
0: That's exciting.
1: Yeah, it is exciting. We'll see.
0: Yeah. but So what's going on with your throat?
1: Well, I have strep throat.
0: Oh, I'm okay. talking with,
1: you know, well, it started out as like barbed wire in the back of my throat. Yeah. And now it's kind of graduated to small little pieces of glass.
0: That's good. Mm-hmm. I don't. When I think about graduated, I think about going up like it goes well, from
1: yeah, okay, so.
0: broken pieces of glass Whatever. or barbed wire. Wait, it goes from barbed wire to what's worse than barbed wire in your throat?
1: Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Yeah. I would think.
0: So it wasn't enough that your foot was broken.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. No.
0: You had to go and get strep throat also. Yeah. So. They give you a, sh- a shot for that, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they did. They gave me a shot for pain, and I was pretty happy about that. Yeah. But it only lasted like 12 hours, and then it, you know.
0: Oh, man. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I- I'm sorry good. that you're going through all that stuff.
1: I never get sick, and, you know, this is only the second time I've ever had strep throat in my whole life, so. Yeah. I guess it's okay.
0: I've never had it. Never going to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see.
0: Let's wear some wood. I gotta yeah. knock them. Uh, well, there's we have a big, big topic today, and honestly, you you'd said in the last episode that you were a little bit nervous about that one, or maybe it was a couple of episodes ago. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. But but I'm I feel a little bit nervous about this one. Honestly, there's uh there's a little bit of uh, somebody in the chat room used this terminology to describe. Talking about personality types as opening up a can of worms oh there's some controversy out there about how accurate the science of personality types is and that kind of thing.
1: Well, I think sometimes people can fall back on personality types and make excuses for their behavior
0: yeah, and yeah. so
1: that that probably contributes to the controversy
0: right so I, i'm going we're, we're going to be tackling personality types from a different angle today we're talking about how knowing your child's personality type can help you speak their language and uh, I, I feel like we've got some really powerful and freeing stuff to say some stuff that's going to be very helpful without coming across as trying to take a stance on one side or the other with the science of it yeah I'm, I don't Honestly, I'm not as concerned with the science of it as I am with the practical use of a tool that helps you have a stronger, deeper, connected relationship with your child. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. So, you ready? I am. All right. What is a personality type?
2: Are you asking me this yeah.
0: is a question for me? Yeah, I'm looking at you and I just asked a question.
1: Uh, well... I'm no scientist, so I don't have a scientific definition, but I would say that a personality type is something that we fall back on when uh, we're faced with certain situations. So where you tend to be a really positive personality type, I'm kind of a glass half full personality type. You, you know. mean,
0: Do you mean glass half empty?
1: Half empty. Yeah, half empty. Sorry. Like, I think sometimes you've called me Debbie Downer. Like stop,
0: <laughs>
1: stop being Debbie Downer. I
0: don't think I've ever used Debbie Downer. Yeah, you have. Only a couple have, of times. But. I might have said something like, "Stop sucking the life out of the room." No, or, no, You've never said no. that. No. Oh, okay, good. Is
1: that what you think?
0: No, oh, oh no. Lord, absolutely not. <laughs> so yeah, that that can be one part of a person's personality is the way that they, whether they view the world positively or negatively,
1: also the way that they react to certain situations I think that a lot of that has to do with our personality type as well
0: there there are a lot of different factors that make up what one would call a personality type and so I'm going to go over there are some different types of personality frameworks out there that I want to talk about real quick I'm not going to go into each one individually and, and give you a rundown of, of what but but this is just kind of meant to be a quick overview. Okay. So there's one that's really popular right now is the Myers Briggs. And
2: uh-huh.
0: and this is one that gives you four different distinctions on your personality and it kind of fits in a range. So and this is the way I like to think about it. There's there's kind of the extreme on either side of these four different characteristics. So if you look at a, a, a point and then a line on the other side of that line, another point representing the other extreme. Okay. So it's a range and sometimes people fall closer to one end or closer to another end or somewhere in the middle. So the first range is extroversion to introversion. Mm-hmm. And this has to do with the kind of Uh, the the way that you receive or give energy in social situations. Mm -hmm. This isn't a determination, although it can coincide with, but it's not a determination of whether or not you're a sociable person. Right. So there are some introverts who are very eloquent and sociable, um, but when they're around a lot of people, they tend to lose energy. Whereas extroverts will tend to gain energy from being around a lot of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The next range is sensing and intuition. And this has to do with the way that you perceive problems and the way that you approach trying to determine what what the situation is and, and how you should respond to it.
1: Okay, wait a minute. So sensing and intuition seem like a lot of the same thing. Do you know how to tell the difference between those two? I'm I'm assuming that intuition is more a bodily feeling. Like when I think of my intuition, I think of that gut feeling.
0: Yeah, so sensing sensing is more what you see in the environment.
2: Okay, Mm mm-hmm.
0: And and what you see in the environment determines how you're going to respond to a, a situation, whereas intuition is more what you feel about the situation. It's, it's internal. Yeah. There's thinking and feeling. This has to do with the way that we process emotion. Okay. And then judgment and perception. Judgment uh, tends to land more on the side of having really solid ideas about things. Difficult to move unless you can provide some really compelling evidence yeah. one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Whereas perception, the, the people who fall on that side tend to think more about all of the different angles and they might, they might say something like, yeah, I can, I can see your point of, I, this is what I think, but I can also see the way that you're talking about it and, and they'll, they'll kind of more easily jump on the other side and want to have more perspectives.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, so those are, those are the four ranges in the Myers-Briggs. There's also a personality framework called the four temperaments. Have you heard of this one?
1: I think I have. Yeah.
0: This was laid out by Hippocrates a long time ago. Yeah. These words, these words are funny to me, but, but we'll give some clarity to them. So the, the four different temperaments are choleric, choleric, choleric.
1: I'm not sure. Okay. How do you spell it?
0: C H O L E R I C.
1: Oh, okay. That's an interesting word.
0: Yeah. Sanguine. Sanguine.
1: Sanguine, I think.
0: Oh, sanguine. Okay. Thank you. Melancholy. Phlegmatic.
1: Wow. Those are some really
0: Okay. So- <laughs> interesting
1: old fashioned words.
0: Yeah, yeah. So choleric is adventurous and determined, outspoken, competitive. Strong-willed.
1: Hmm. We don't have any of those. No,
0: we, yeah, we don't have any of those. <laughs> sanguine or sanguine, whatever it is. Playful, sociable, talkative. This person is kind of the life of the party. They also have big imagination. They, they kind of live in dream worlds sometimes.
1: Oh, so they probably lie a lot.
0: Maybe. <laughs> uh, melancholy, very detailed orderly things have to be just so phlegmatic is thoughtful and controlled attentive and also a little bit of a diplomat wants to to try to find solutions involving different parties who are trying to work together
1: so like a peacemaker
0: right and there there are other alternatives it was funny because i've i found these researching Personality types in children, and those those words are so difficult to wrap my brain around. Yeah. So I found found some other alternatives. There's uh, there was one out there that had these terms. They said the wallflower, the Zen child, the Spitfire, mm. the Explorer.
1: Well, so what if all of them describe you? I feel like those are all me. Really,
0: <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> now, so these are. And, and there are some other frameworks out there that, that people just kind of have come up with for fun. Um, uh, one of my favorite frameworks for understanding personality is the love languages. Mm-hmm. And this does speak specifically to how love is given and received in relationships, but it also does speak to the personality. And the love languages are, th- th- these, are these are the things that help a person to feel loved and cared for so they are words of affirmation quality time gifts physical touch and acts of service
2: mm-hmm.
0: I happen to be in a relationship with someone who values quality time and acts of service and those two are actually the most time-consuming yeah ones on you're the really list. lucky very lucky <laughs>
1: It's too bad you can't just go out and get a gift, and
2: that's that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's too it's too bad. Although I couldn't afford to get you a gift, so maybe it's good. <laughs> I actually came up with my own. I, I I wanted to to do this on air just to get your reaction because I came up with my own framework, and I used all S words. I was able to figure out how to use all Uh-oh. S words for our, our children. So. Starting from oldest to youngest, we have spirited, yeah, sweet, mm-hmm. or sensitive.
2: Yeah, either one of those. Stoic. Oh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a good one.
0: This one was a little bit of a stretch for me. Th- this is for, for both the, t- the twins.
1: Wait, wait. Oh, for both of them the, at the same time? Yeah, for both of them at like the same time. Like they have the same personality type?
0: Yeah, I, I'm just... I don't think they do, but... No, I, I, I agree with you. Okay. But this is just for fun shenanigans oh yeah and then our youngest who really has yet to identify himself at all I used I used an s-word and that s-word is smiley (laughs) he smiles so much he does
1: he's a very happy baby all right I I don't think that's a personality type but (laughs) no
0: I, I so so all of that to say there there are a lot of frameworks out there there's you could you could do days of research trying mm-hmm. to figure out and understand all of these things. So we I just wanted to give a a quick overview of what those things are. All right. So we're going to we're going to circle back to some of the more practical pieces of that, but I wanted to to go into some other kind of precursors to attempting to understand and interact with your child's personality type. So, one of the one of the first things that are that is really beneficial is Determining what yours and your spouse's personality types are. Mm -hmm. And you can do this a number of ways. You can take tests online. You can sit down and just have a conversation with your spouse. You can do some research and just kind of observe yourself. And the more you understand what your personality type is, how you tend to behave in relationships in certain situations it'll It'll just help you have more context for how you interact with your child and and how you understand their own their personality
1: yeah i I agree with that. I think i I don't remember what it was that made us take personality tests, but when I did, I never really saw myself as an introvert, which is really interesting to me because I'm a huge introvert. but once I was able to to recognize that about myself. It just, it helped me know how to, you know, take time away and be able to recharge whenever I'm in a house full of children who are not, you know, they're not constantly attached to my legs, but it feels like they are as an introvert.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So (laughs) you're always
1: touching me. They're always trying to do something and, you know,
0: I wanted to say this and, and I want to come back to what you just said, but you should always look objectively. Don't, don't take the test and get the results and think, oh, I, sh- I guess I should be that and that and that. Well, maybe something doesn't really line up with the test results. You should always look objectively at how you currently interact in relationships, what your current behavioral patterns are. And, and don't, don't feel like the test is meant to put you in a box, Yeah, but it can be, it can be very illuminating. And so, a positive experience that I've had with the test with with the the Myers Briggs specifically is I had I had this moment of relief mm-hmm. when when I recognized some things that I had always seen as personality flaws. Yeah. And then the way that they talked about those things made them seem more like, oh, these are just tendencies that are inherent with this personality type. And it caused me to feel like I was more acceptable for myself. Yeah, I, I, w- I became more accepting of myself in that moment. And and that actually set me free to make some stronger progress in changing some of the, the things that I wanted to overcome in my personality. Yeah. And so for you, I can definitely see how, if you're walking around the house as an introvert, surrounded by people all day long, Getting to the end of the day and feeling exhausted oh my and not gosh. knowing why. Yeah. That that could be very frustrating. And so how how illuminating is it to to take this test and to see, oh, this is what's happening behind the scenes. This is why.
1: Yeah. Well, and it wasn't just that too. It's it's like when I'd go pick up the boys from their school or something, I'd wait in line and I didn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. Like I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna do small talk. I don't wanna <laughs> And, you, and, you <laughs> and might- I felt like I was socially just not very, just not socially acceptable because of that. You know, like you might, all the yeah, other mothers be, would sit talking, and
0: <laughs> you might be I'd telling be like, yourself, don't "Look at me." Yeah, you might be telling yourself, "I'm a snob,"
2: or yeah. I,
0: "I'm I I don't really think I'm better than like I'm not trying to communicate that. Yeah. I just don't. I don't know why there's I don't want to talk to you. Me. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. But there's, but it can be very illuminating. Yeah. So so I think it's definitely worth learning about those things. But you do have to be careful. You don't want it to be a thing that puts you in a box because a, a negative experience I've had with this is a, an employer had me take the test uh, almost as the very first thing that I did oh, yeah. under their employment. And I, I remember how that changed the way that they treated me. And so absent of the, the time that we could spend working together and stuff like that, this test defined for them who I was. And I, and I experienced that in our interactions and, and who knows, maybe I, I take the test and I identify a certain way and you can see what the strengths and weaknesses for that type, but you have no idea the work that I've done personally to improve in certain areas or where I fall in that range. Right. And so that's, that's something that, that can be really detrimental to relationships is this this kind of putting in a box and and categorizing somebody and and considering that as the authority over spending time together in a relationship.
1: Well, I think that if your purpose in having somebody take a personality test is to see their flaws, then yeah, it's going to be a negative experience. But if your, if your intent is to see places where you can help them grow and those kinds of things, then it can be a very illuminating thing for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how do you determine your child's personality? So we, we mentioned several of the different tests, but I also I don't want to prescribe that you either have your child sit down and take a test or that you take a test on your child's behalf. That is yeah. something that you can do.
1: I, I don't know that they would be accurate for children, though, because they're adult questions. I don't know that there is a personality test that has been designed for a child
0: there are some out are there, there that exist yeah okay. and and honestly you've got to you've got to take each one for a grain of salt it's not meant to be the authority it's it's just a helpful tool yeah
1: just an illumination and so
0: if you if you find something and you're like and you take the test and you and you find some results and and you you look at your child and you look at the results and think this has this doesn't correlate at all yeah then that test is probably not a good representation. And, and so I hesitate to prescribe that, but mm-hmm. it's something that you can do. What I like better is researching on your own, learning about personality types, going back and and looking at some of the different frameworks for personality, and then just observing your child. The, the time that you spend with your child in relationship and the things that you observe in that relationship is going to give you the most accurate picture of what their personality and their behavioral tendencies are.
2: Yeah.
1: And I would just say here, too, that it's important for parents to know their kids like this because, you know, when whenever they go away to school and are in the presence of another person for seven hours a day, they can often get... Put like you said into a box of this certain kind of personality. Yeah. And if you don't know your child better than the teacher knows that child, you cannot fight on your child's behalf for certain. You know, if certain things happen, and we had this experience with our our firstborn child, where you know things that he did were sorely misinterpreted because we knew his personality, but his teacher assumed that he was like all the other little boys, and you know. Not all the other little boys, but you know, like the other problem little boys who would be disrespectful and things like that. And our son has never said a disrespectful thing to an adult, except for mm, us. <laughs> yeah, Not not adults outside of... But anyway, knowing our child's personality can help with those kinds of things too.
0: Yeah. And, and so when we think about personality... Zooming in on the, the actual results and the personality, it's a range and it's also dynamic. It can change depending on their age and the environment and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, for, for example, with the Myers-Briggs, when I was talking about those two points, so somebody may fall right in the middle where you can't really tell whether they're an extrovert or an introvert. Somebody might be all the way on the edge. And then... There's some degree of oscillation between the two. Sometimes someone will have a very wide range of oscillation between being an extrovert and being an introvert. Yeah. And some people will have very narrow. And then that can that can also change based on their experiences and their environment. So the, it's important to think about that as a range and not as a box. Yeah. And what that what that helps me do is focus back on being objective and paying attention to my child and, and watching how he is behaving in the moment versus relying on what I'm seeing through the test. Yeah. So, so when we're talking about our oldest, he is very strong-willed, very spirited. And, and so if we were to, to take a test, what we see in the results will probably be in line with that, mm-hmm. but it's important to note that that is that is a behavioral tendency, and that's not an identity. Right. So, so when we talk to him and we engage with him, we keep these things in mind, but we don't assert our understanding of what his personality may or may not be onto him. And there's a there's a big difference there. When we have in mind, okay, this is the research we've done. This is what we think we're seeing. It helps us to better understand where his behavior is coming from. And when we understand where the behavior is coming from, we can be more empathetic. Yeah. So, so you think about a situation where your child seems to be acting completely outside of what is normal, or maybe they're doing something that they do often and it's just really frustrating and you don't understand why. Well, sometimes learning about your child's personality helps illuminate what their behavioral tendencies might be so that you can see, oh, this is for, for this personality type. This is actually a fairly normal behavior. Yeah. And here I thought I was, I had a kid who was going crazy, but this is, this is just how they deal with things in this situation.
1: Even sometimes we can learn just based on age and you know their cognitive abilities often our expectations are way higher than kids are actually capable of meeting
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so so the goal here and and this is kind of this is where all of this lands for me the goal here is not to figure out your child and and know what their personality is really the the goal is to have more understanding and more empathy yeah, because when you when you respond with empathy to their behavior, it allows you to be a teacher in that situation. And instead of trying to fix their behavior, you're addressing the real root of the, the issue, which is this this behavioral tendency in their personality. And, and it's not something that oh we need to fix this. We need to change this behavior. There, there are a lot of different methods for modifying behavior, Mm -hmm. but when you understand it, you can help your child understand it. And if it's something, so for example, Jaden, our strong-willed child, his strong-willedness manifests itself in behaviors that don't really work sometimes for us as a family because of the things that we're trying to do. Yeah, but as an adult as somebody who is on his own, those things would actually work really well for him. And so I don't want to, I don't want to break him. Yeah, you don't I, want to break that. I want to understand what his personality is, and I want to help him find healthier ways of expressing that.
1: Yeah. I was also just thinking of, uh, you know, last night you were out trying to fix the van, and um, he kept coming into the room, and I was trying to go to bed. And there was something that he wanted to do, and it was not time to do, but he would just not give up. I mean, he's got that sticky brain where yeah. he just asks the question again and again, and you can use whatever t- technique you want to use. You can say asked and answered. You can do whatever in the world you want to do, and he will continue asking. And I was just thinking about how annoyed I was getting about that, Yeah. and I wasn't using empathy And I think sometimes I just want to say here that I think sometimes it's hard for the parents who have that same personality because I think he shares most of my personality. And so whenever I see those places in him that just won't give it up, um, those are the places that I also see in myself when I'm asking a question over and over and over again. And I know the answer, but I want that answer to change because I'm strong will, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I think some sometimes those places in our children that we see in us are some of the hardest to be able to practice empathy in.
0: And that's, it's funny because you would think that, oh, I, I know what you're going through because yeah, that's what I yeah. go through would help you have more empathy. But,
1: yeah. It's just, it's ironic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, so I'm kind of a sensitive, you know, feelings driven person. But the same kind of thing happens to me when A says having an emotional meltdown, and and I'm like, why are you freaking out? <laughs> suck, you know, suck it up. No. I don't really, I don't yeah, say that. Yeah, you don't
1: say that.
0: <laughs> but it's it's weird because I guess because I'm uncomfortable about those. so, so maybe that's part of the journey too. Is just accept being more accepting of who you are. Oh, definitely. Your your
1: children's personalities help you be more accepting of your own things.
0: Yeah. I did want to bring this in too. It's discovering your child's personality type. You want to be really careful because it's, it's important not to assert your understanding or your perception of what their personality is onto them. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can do that by talking to them about it, you can do that by shaping their environment in a certain way as as a reaction to their personality. And, and so the truth is, regardless of what your personality is, as an adult, you're going to be placed in a variety of different situations. You're going to be working with a variety of different people. And so it doesn't really help to try to change the environment mm-hmm. to match up this person's personality, and furthermore, because you're a person who has authority in their life they they might believe and internalize something that they shouldn't that you're that you're telling them so so a part of their identity that they should really be figuring out for themselves as they grow and and mature they they might already have a placeholder for that from something that you said, and I don't I don't say that to scare you or to say so you should never say anything to your child, but I think that this is something that we should be very careful with. Yeah. We do want our children to identify themselves. We want our children to say, "This is who I am." And nobody else told me that. I this is this is what I've discovered about myself and I, and I'm okay with that and I accept that. The more we the more room we can give our children to do that, the healthier they're going to be. Yeah. So we had a lot of questions come through the chat room. And so I wanted to take the last part of this episode to bring some of those in and and talk about those.
1: Okay. Can I just say something real quick about the changing the environment? Yes, please. Uh, I just wanted to say that I know this doesn't give like a huge, we should do it or we shouldn't. But I, I just wanted to say that if it's necessary, we can change the environment. So, and what I'm thinking of there is that um, earlier in last year's school year, our oldest was having a lot of trouble and just wasn't doing well emotionally. And I knew what was going on. And I talked to his teacher about the possibility of pulling his desk away from some of the other students because in today's classrooms, they sit in pods, Yeah, at least here in Texas, they sit in pods. They're surrounded by six other students all day. They're touching elbows. They're sharing pencils. They're, you know, they're constantly interacting with with each other. And I understand the value of that, learning to work with other people. But I also understand from an introvert's point of view how exhausting that can be. Mm -hmm. And so um, we gave him the option of pulling his desk away and still being included in the class but being separated and since then there's been a, there have been a couple of other students who have also done that because they're just not comfortable being in the pods and i think that's a that's a situation where you can change the environment if it's necessary and we we didn't have after that we didn't have any other behavioral issues because it solved his problem
0: you know i i agree with that and and so maybe the the thing that would be better for me to say is that if you do some research and you, and you take a test and you feel like your child fits in some category, don't shape the environment based solely on that feedback, but really look back to the relationship that you have with them and what you know about them. How they're, how they're communicating to you about their daily experience is going to tell you a lot more about what they're struggling with and, and the kind of needs they have in their environment than a test will. Yeah, that's
1: true. I guess the you know, interacting with him on a daily basis and asking him about school, that helped out a lot.
0: Yeah, Hearing from yeah. his
1: perspective.
0: Yeah. And 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 there probably is there's a there's a right time to change the environment because as a child, if you can't overcome something without the help of other people, you really probably do need to change. Yeah. So it's not a matter of, oh, we need to just keep them in that situation and and let them keep butting their heads up against the wall until they can figure it out. Sometimes you got to pull some of that resistance back. But then you also have to know when to let things be the way that they are.
1: Yeah, because a way to build resilience in your children is to let them struggle. But when it's a struggle like that where it's every single day, and as an introvert, there's not really much you can do. I mean, he would pull himself away at lunchtime and read a book instead of interacting with his peers. Mm -hmm. But that just, you know, it wasn't enough. You're in a noisy lunchroom filled with hundreds of first graders. And (laughs) it's awful. Poor
0: kid. I I really appreciate you bringing that in. I think that's going to be really helpful for some of our parents. Yeah. So I have some questions here. And I've answered some of them myself. But I also want to hear your perspective. So the first one is from Gabrielle. She asks, what do you do if your child's personality directly contradicts your own? So you talked about <laughs> you talked about having the the struggles of having a child who has a similar personality. Yeah. What if what if their personality is the kind that grates on you?
1: Well, okay, so I think that it it depends on your own personality type. So I I feel like I have the harder personality. I'm more strong-willed. I'm, you know, I tend to see things in a more negative light sometimes. And so I feel like, for you, that would be a harder thing—is dealing with the child who has my personality. Mm-hmm. But for me, dealing with with Asa, who's our second born, um, he he's a lot more like you. He just lets things roll off his, you know, lets things roll off. He's he's a little more sensitive. He cries a lot, which is something he probably got from me. But I'm able. <laughs> what?
0: You, you, well, I guess you, you, sound you are like- too. You sound like you're saying all the negative personality traits came from you. Well, I don't think crying not, is negative. No, I think well, emotions no, no. aren't negative. Right? No, they're not.
1: Um, and neither is strong will. It's just hard in children. But so I, I think I feel like I better handle him, mm-hmm. and and can better empathize with him than I can with the child who shares my personality. Yeah. Which is just it seems ironic to me. And and one of the twins also has you know, the strong will, the always, the very curious, always getting into things. And that's exactly how I was as a child. And oh my gosh, he annoys me to no end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I can totally see that.
1: So, so for me, I feel like I'm better able to handle those who are on the opposite side of my personality.
0: So I wonder if maybe the spirit of this question has more to do with that experience of feeling like you're butting heads all the time. And when you, don't, when you don't feel like you have any clue of what your child's personality type is or where that behavior is coming from, that can be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. And so I think knowing...
1: Or when you're not necessarily a strong-willed person and you have a strong-willed child, that can be incredibly annoying.
0: Yeah. So having a better understanding of where that's coming from is really freeing. So the, the frustration may not go away, but when you understand where it's coming, where, where that behavior is coming from, it helps you to be more on the empathic side. And it's also really great for your child. If your child is having the same experience, if they feel like they're constantly butting heads, you, they, they really kind of don't have a choice You know, they've got to stay in a relationship, but maintaining a healthy relationship when you're with a person who feels like there's tension there and and conflict between the personality types, maintaining a healthy relationship under those circumstances is a great skill to bring into adulthood. Yeah. Daniela Ann asks, there are so many different personality types. Is it important to understand them all fully? Or is there a shortcut to being able to identify people as one or the other in a more simplified manner? Hmm. And I, I bring this one back to empathy and understanding is the goal. Empathy and understanding your, your child. Yeah. So if having a better understanding of the personality types helps you achieve that goal, then it's worth investing the time.
2: I think I would probably
1: just figure out which one was my child. Yeah. And then be done with it.
0: Yeah. But
1: I I don't know that, I mean, it's valuable to know about other people and stuff like that too, but I'm kind of lazy that way.
0: No, I, and, and that's, I mean, who has time to do all that research? So, so here's, here's maybe an out for some people. Sometimes understanding the personality types detracts from the goal of having empathy and understanding because it's difficult for you with that knowledge, not to categorize your child and treat them differently because of your newfound understanding. Yeah. So it may be better just to forego the research altogether. But the <laughs> so <laughs> I know I just played both sides of the field, but yeah. but the goal
1: Well that's the, your personality type. Right.
0: The goal is empathy and understanding. That's what I want the focus to be on. Not knowing the letters that represent your child's personality, but but understanding them and being able to empathize with with them. Okay, so this is, this is a fun one, and I'd like to hear what you have. This is also from Daniela. She asks, have you found your children's personality types to have affected how they play with one another? Does it explain closeness between certain siblings?
1: Oh, I would say definitely. I mean, our second born is the sweet, extroverted, you know, no, he's never known a stranger. And so he's, he's kind of the peacemaker in our family. He yeah. moves around from brother to brother and you know builds bridges and all those things. But but definitely I I've definitely seen the way that they relate to each other. The two strong-willed ones. I mean there are at least two. There might be three. They they don't like each other very much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it, uh, yeah, they don't I think
1: the older one caused the other one a, a destroyer. Which yes. is is pretty true.
0: Yeah, he does <laughs> destroy things. <laughs> This is, a, this is a fun one. Brian asks, does your, your and Rachel's personality types affect which parent talks to which child and when there's an issue that needs to be talked about? So does, uh, for example, does the introverted parent talk to the introverted child or vice versa?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I don't think we, we uh, divide it that way. I, I think a lot of times when we get to the end of our day, Mm -hmm. you know that i'm like tapped out
0: yeah yeah
1: because i mean we get to dinner and there's so much noise at our dinner table and you know we're not those parents who are like you need to sit down and be quiet i mean they do need to sit down but be quiet around the dinner table because that's kind of our time to connect and talk and play games and um, those kinds of things have fun as a family yeah but after after dinner, the boys kind of go crazy. And I'm just like, I mean, you can tell by my wide eyes that I'm just yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm way too overstimulated. And I think sometimes when there are three of them asking questions at the same time, I, I've even like shouted out, oh my gosh, too many words. Too many words. Too many, too many, too many words. words. <laughs> Back away. system is malfunctioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think sometimes at night when there are problems and stuff, you've taken the lead in addressing some of those problems because you know that there's nothing left of me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's where I would say personality type comes into play the most yeah. is, is just how spent you are at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Whereas I still have, I mean, I'm, I might feel tired, but I still have energy for conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think that was valuable in learning that about each other too. As a couple, because yeah, because that kind of thing, you know, if I was sitting in bed reading while you go out and tend to the children who are not doing what they're supposed to do,
0: well, I, I that still, can,
1: yeah, you still, every I'm now still and a then.
0: baby about it every once in a while, yeah. That, you know, i I may not be all the way over there on the extrovert chart. I might I yeah. might be closer to the middle. Because mm-hmm. I do need sometimes. That would be
1: bad if you had two introverted parents. Huh? Oh gosh! With well, kids.
0: with that many children, yes. <laughs> Please go away and don't talk to me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) All right. Robert Guzzo asks, what are some ways to help your children understand slash relate to their siblings, personality types and needs while keeping it on their level? And this is, this is where I, again, go back to, I don't want to rest on the labels Mm -hmm. and the letters, but if we can demonstrate in the way that we relate and and show empathy, if we can demonstrate our commitment to the goals, I think that that is going to develop understanding in our children, even before they're able to even to comprehend what personality types are. Oh yeah. It's, it's really breeding a better response to another person's personality. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the understanding can come later, and it can provide even more clarity. And I, and I think as those conversations come up, but I don't I don't see it being beneficial trying to sit down with your, you know, five or seven or eight year old and say, okay, we're gonna today we're gonna talk about personality types. Yeah, no, that didn't Be, help much because <laughs> because then they they go out in the in the playroom and somebody steals a toy or somebody leaves a toy on the floor that the other one steps on Mm -hmm. and all of the rules go out the window, all of the things that you just said. So really that demonstration and, and then being able to see that consistently and, and take on that kind of behavior for themselves. Yeah. Okay. So we, we have one more question. There's one that, that I feel like we addressed really well and I'm going to, I'm going to bring that in right before we sum up the episode. So so the last question before that is from Charlotte. She says, have you found good tools at helping to identify exactly what your child's personality needs are? Or do you do so by just doing what feels right with their temperament? And this, this one I feel like we did kind of answer, but I prefer doing my own research and discovering my child's personality through observation mm-hmm. because that, That puts the focus on the relationship and the daily experience rather than the results from the test.
1: Yeah, I agree. There's also a really good resource that I read early on. Uh, It was when we had our first son.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, you're going to wait for that. No, I want you to continue. But I I did want to say when we do identify something, something really specific, it does give us an opportunity to do more research into that. So, yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, when we had our first son, I remember uh, he was in the church nursery and the teacher came out and she was just like, you know, he's, he's just, all the other little, little kids are sitting down and listening and he's just, you know, he just wants to do what he wants to do. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's because he's, he has such a strong will. And sometimes those kinds of things, especially when you're a new parent, can make you feel like you're not doing a very good job. And of course, that's how I felt. And so I yeah. started researching, you know, all these things that I could I could do to make him a more compliant child. And I came across this book called Raising Your Spirited Child um, by Mary. I can't remember her last name. Uh, Mary Sheedy Kursinka. I just looked it up. And it goes through the The types of children who are more energetic, who are more sensitive, who are more, you know, the, these kids who are sort of on the extreme yeah. of feeling and doing and arguing, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was it was incredibly eye opening to me. I feel like it helped me to see our son in a whole new way and yeah. appre- and appreciate some of the things that felt so difficult at the time.
0: Yeah, and it, and it also helps you when you're interacting with other people and, and when our children are in situations where they're in childcare and, and maybe their behavior is out of outside of what's normal. Yeah. Um, to, to feel less self-conscious about that and, and to be able to pass on that understanding to the people who are watching them.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean the, the ideal child will sit still and will listen to everything and, and, you know, will behave in the way that we want them to behave. But most children don't
0: mm-hmm.
1: at least ours, I guess.
0: <laughs> maybe it's just our kids.
1: Maybe, maybe it's just.
0: <laughs> so Dane, Dana, uh, he, he kind of made a statement and, and then asked a question. He says, I believe personality types are malleable and change over time. I believe this is especially true with children with the nature versus nurture factors. Children haven't yet had all of their experiences and they have yet to form their full personality, what are your thoughts on how often you should be reevaluating things to make sure you're current with the ever-evolving language that your children are speaking?
1: Oh man, I would say all the time. And I want to use an example here. When our When our oldest was younger, when he was, I'd say probably around the time that he turned three and on was when we we're finally feeling like we had our feet under us as parents because we had done so much research and all of this. And I'm not saying that you can't be a good parent without research. I'm just saying that for me, <laughs> that helped me to know more about my son. Yeah. But I feel like from the time he was three and younger, his personality was very different than what it is now because of the way— The confidence that we had as parents, I think, because when, when a child can sense that you're not quite as confident as a parent, they don't quite feel safe. And so their personality is, you know, it's kind of that, I mean, we still see this come out in him. It's like the scarcity complex, you know, people aren't going to take care of you and people, and it's not that we ever showed him that it's that he is extremely intuitive and he can sense that kind of thing in a person You know, there are some kids who can sense when you're afraid and when you're, you know, like when you're, when you're afraid of them and, and the the things that they can do. And,
0: and so while they, while they enjoy, (laughs) it's not, and 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 it's not like this outward, I'm afraid of you, son. Yeah. It's, 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 but they, they can tell when they've, they've. Got more rope than they should have, yeah. and they revel in that. But but it also frightens it's also them. scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I'd say that we continue to evaluate those as we grow as parents, and also as they grow as human beings.
0: Yeah, and and I feel like this this kind of sums up the entire episode. This this question and this the statement in it is that w- the way that we keep up with our children and their behavioral tendencies and the kind of language that we're speaking, the, the way that we keep our understanding and empathy response where it should be is by focusing on this daily. It's, it, it's, a, it's an everyday relationship that you have. And, and so it's really not a matter of, oh, I have, to, I have to remember to look at the personality types again and reevaluate my child. But really through spending time with your child, through interacting with them and, and purposefully paying attention, mm-hmm. you will naturally and and easily, especially if you become familiar with what all the personality types, you, you'll very easily recognize things as they happen instead of, instead of waking up one day and thinking, wow, you're a completely different person. And that's, and that's really what's best for relationships is when we spend time together and we're paying attention to one another. And it's not, it's not really about evaluating as, as it is observing and just taking note, noticing. Yeah. And, and and so I kind of, I want to get away from that evaluation language. I want to get away from trying to categorize and label and what the personality type frameworks are is a useful tool meant to help you understand and empathize with your children, which is really the goal. Mm -hmm. And when you spend time with them in a relationship every day, you set yourself up for a better understanding of what their behavioral tendencies are and how you can empathize with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not giving parents more work. I mean, we have enough work as it is. Yeah. But I, I feel like if we spent, the energy that we spend trying to change our children and their personalities into understanding Mm. those personalities, it won't feel like we have to do as much work. You know, like we do more work trying to change those personalities. So if we could take that energy that we spend trying to do that and funnel it into trying to understand our kids, I feel like that's a healthier healthier thing and it helps us to know how to teach our children in those areas that are maybe shaky and you know not quite as positive as we would like them to be yeah so none of our kids are going to end up perfect
0: well i don't know about yours but mine are (laughs) Hmm. you're right uh there's that's a whole other topic in and of itself we have, we have a lot of, can, I, I just want to say something here. So we covered a lot of stuff today and I, I really hope that this is speaking directly to something that you're experiencing. We have, uh, for those of you who are on the in the boat with Ben newsletter, if you're not, you should go to in the Sign up for the newsletter. We send out show notes for this show. Also highlights. We, we go through each episode And we pull out the most valuable stuff. And and I put that right there in the email so that if you don't have time to go listen to the episode or you don't have time to sit down and read through the entire list of show notes, you've at least got the highlights right there. We deliver that to your inbox every week. Go sign up for the the newsletter. And if you signed up, I want to ask you to do something. Next time I send out a campaign, I have a button on the bottom that says get in touch. I want to hear your questions. I want to hear what you're struggling with. We have topics for days. Yeah we we know the things that we're struggling with, and we're pretty familiar with the common struggles of parents. But we want to know what you're struggling with specifically, because we want to. Th- those are the things that we really want to talk about. Yep. So so please do that. I, I would greatly appreciate it. If you want to find Rachel. She's at racheltolson.com. Mm-hmm. And I, I, of course, am at In the Boat with Ben.com. You can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. And you can find me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. If you want to help out the show, you can go to seanwest.com slash community. The questions that we got for this episode really just made for it. Honestly, I had a great outline to begin with. But some of these questions caused me to go back into that outline and fill it in with, with some of the really meaty stuff that I think was meaningful for this episode. So the community is just filled with amazing people who, who are struggling with some of the same things, who have great ideas, who are, who are just constantly encouraging and helping one another. And if, if you go to com slash community, you can see what it's all about. I encourage you to go there and sign up the the community is what makes the show possible Mm -hmm. so so please go do that thank you guys very much for listening today yes thank you we'll see you next time found out that you were an introvert we uh we're in a band together Mm -hmm. we don't we don't play as much as we used to yeah these these days it's a little bit more difficult to get out and do shows but we still write music from time to time and when when we were playing regularly I was pretty adamant Mm -hmm. about as soon as we were done playing because I was usually the one at the stage, like trying to get stuff taken down and and packed up, and and I, and I remember telling you multiple times, okay, as soon as we're done playing, Rachel, you gotta go to the table. <laughs> yes, you gotta go to the merch table and interact with the people.
1: Oh, and it felt like it felt like a balloon just losing air every time you would say that. Yeah, like I would just wilt.
0: I go, oh, really? I, I, I could barely
1: even make it through the last song because I'd be anticipating. I just I didn't want to talk to people. Yeah. I I had just poured out everything that I had.
0: And then yeah, it's it's like trying to suck air out of a deflated <laughs> balloon. So, I I have to apologize, but but we didn't know before you before you found out what being an introvert really meant. Yeah. I was I was really I was like It's part of the, you got to, you got to have the stage presence and you got to do all the (laughs) stuff and you got to go interact with the people. That's a part of the gig. And some people apparently are just not meant to do that.
2: Yeah. But
1: it, but it always felt like something was wrong with me. Like, why wouldn't I want to go talk to our fans?
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I will say this, you had some of the, the most meaningful conversations with our fans when you were just talking to people one-on-one in an environment Mm -hmm. that wasn't surrounded by people.
1: Yeah. I probably got us our most hardcore fans.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I was, uh, I was always the one who would jump over the table and I couldn't focus on just one person at a time. I've, I, I had such a hard time with it because I'm so outgoing and extroverted. I just wanted everybody to feel, I'm like, let's just all stand in a group and we'll talk, you know?
1: Yeah. That doesn't work for introverts.
0: Yeah. I didn't do the one-on-one thing as well.
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It was quite an interesting dynamic.
0: So next time we go play a show, I'll let you tear down all the sound equipment and I'll go to the table. Oh my gosh.
1: I would love that. (laughs) Wrapping cords and stuff. So I don't have to talk to people. That sounds divine.